Hello, welcome to Pilgrim Missionary Baptist Church podcast, Faith in the Word. Here, Pastor Cecil Holloway is bringing you all the spiritual teachings within God's Word. We hope you enjoy. Please share with a friend. And like always, God bless you. Praise God. Yeah, that's that's a big step, really. Yep. And um, he has, uh, he means Jesus, he has commanded us to fast. That's supposed to be our, our spiritual walk, our spiritual life. We're supposed to, to fast. And fasting doesn't change God, but it changes us. It draws closer to him, to hear him, and to fellowship with him and to commune with him. So that's the objective, that's the desire there when it comes to fasting. So we, uh, we as, I've been here for 10 years and you know, we've been working up to this <laughs> in 10 years. And uh, this is what we're gonna be doing whenever the Lord lays on the heart. Uh, 21 days, 30 days, 40 days. Fasting also moves things too in the realm of the spirit. Fasting, on. fasting can bring healing to people's bodies and intercede and everything. So y'all did a great job, really. Really, y'all did a great job for this first time fast. And uh, this is what we're going to be doing. Moving forward. All right. Whenever the Lord lays on my heart. Now, now if you want to do your own fast, you're free to do that, you know, by faith, you know. But uh, my wife and I have learned whatever the Lord call a corporate fast, he's getting ready to move. And he needs us to be in alignment with him so that he can move, okay? Praise God, hallelujah. Glory be to God. And for those who didn't fast, there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. <laughs> Ah, crazy Jesus. What's going on with Southeast? Yes, beautification day, which is the 30th. We're going to meet here and do some cleaning in the back here, get all that area cleaned up and um, do some work downstairs kind of get it um, a little more presentable so that people can have access to the restrooms and all that kind of stuff. And it's from 12 unto two. Uh, yeah, that's on the 30th. Those are gone. Y'all always gone. Man. That's good. When I grow, I'm gonna be like y'all, y'all. Well, I had a bad experience with a motorcycle when I was in the military. So I'm kind of, yeah, 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 yeah. That's when, that was in my sinful day. So I didn't know, I was BC before Christ. So. Yeah, so. I try not to, but sometimes the enemy kind of brings it up to me. Yeah, and I have to cast that stuff down, you know? So uh, uh, Nicole, do me a favor, go into my office and on my, board when I have my papers, bring me that uh, top sheet. 
about Miss Mary Bell. I forgot to bring that up. I'm kind of stalling because Nick picked up some people and he's bringing them to Bible study. So yeah, so give a little time for them to get here. So, uh, so what's going on with Southeast? <laughs> Mm-hmm. We're two or three together. Yes, yes, thank you. And the two that were there was you and Miss Victory. Yeah. Who's that? Oh, Pastor Cecil. Oh, okay. Yes, okay. Pastor Cecil Holloway. Yes. Yes, Pastor Cecil will be there. <laughs> yeah, there's a difference. Yeah, yeah, there's a big difference. Yeah, you don't want Cecil to show up. Yeah. But Pastor Cecil, yes, he'll show. Yeah, you're right. Yes. Uh, yeah. Nick and I were talking about that. We're gonna we're gonna make some more of that Wednesday. Uh, Wednesday morning. Oh, Wednesday morning. Well, we do evening too on Wednesday night. So, yeah, yeah. So, mm-hmm. Seven to eight. Uh, okay, I want to read something to you guys. Uh, it's very interesting. I don't know if you ever heard of this lady here, uh, Mary Falconary Bell. They called her Mimi. Um, 95 year young, she joined her Savior, Lord Jesus Christ, on March 13, 2017. She passed away. But interesting thing here is uh, about Miss Bell. Mary was always active in the community affairs, particularly social justice issues, which her mother and grandmother actively encouraged. Moving back to Louisville again in 1968, Mary and her found a home in Anchorage. And at Anchorage Presbyterian Church, Mary helped found the Berrytown Griffey Town Improvement Organization. Y'all ever heard of that? Okay. Some have some of that. Okay. It says, focus on bringing a much needed neighborhood voice in the political community. In 1967, uh, she became president of the Eastern Area Council, an interracial, interdenominational civil rights activist organization. And in the early 1980s, Murray served on the board of Association of Community Ministry, the forerunner of the current Eastern Area uh, Community Ministry. Um, she had a lady with her by name, Mrs. Johnson. And the interesting thing is that um, Mrs. Johnson's son came to the church the other day and he was sharing this information with me about Mary Bell and his mother. And the information that he was sharing that when she started this uh, uh, interracial, interdenominational civil rights activist organization, the first meeting was held at this church. 
Wow, I know. Was hell at this church. So he came and, and he, we, we talked about a couple of hours and he said he was a little kid and he remembered that and his mother uh, shared that information with him about uh, his, Mrs. Johnson and Mrs. Bell and they had their first meeting and uh, at the church and he said uh, when they uh, had the meeting they was trying to break the ice among the two races there and they didn't know how to break it and so he said one of the I don't know if it was the pastor or a deacon or somebody, uh, got up and said, uh, well, one thing we know now, all you white folks don't look alike. <laughs> and he said, once that was said, it broke the ice and they just fellowship and, and they did some movement here in uh, Berrytown, Griffin. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Right, right. Praise the Lord. Come on in. Hey. Wow. Praise God. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Great. Right, right. Well, we have the same program here. We distribute uh, Thanksgiving baskets too. So maybe we can. I don't know exactly when we're going to do it this year. Do you know right off, Stella? Oh. When we're going to do our basket distribution. Uh, well, it can't be the Sunday before Thanksgiving because we have our service here. It can't be the Sunday before the Thanksgiving. Oh, I'm sorry. I apologize for that. It's uh, uh, the 14th. The 14th. 14th. Okay. Yeah, we actually take it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Ten baskets this year. And Pastor Tyler gave us those little coupons that we, yeah, yeah, yeah we insert in our basket too. Even though we give them the food and turkey too, but we also give them the coupons. Mm -hmm. Long as not in our view. 
Give me all the King James you can. Good, yeah, so good. Well, yeah, we'll touch base. Well, get with BJ. She, yeah, yeah, she'll take care of that. And what God is going to lead us, I haven't shared this with the church yet. The Lord laid this on my heart. What we're going to do around the holiday season, we're going to make up some cards that says you are invited to Pilgrim Missionary Baptist Church. And on the back have the uh, address and everything. And what members are going to do when they go into any fast food line, they're going to pay for the car food behind it, give, tell the people there to give the car to them when they drive up. And so that's how we're going to do our uh, outreach evangelism. This one, Lord, laid on my heart. So, so that's what we're going to do by faith. So, all right, cool. Welcome. Hi, how are you? This is our auntie. Yes, Mrs. Uh, she, 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 she's now, she's only 26. So. <laughs> yeah, this is Stella's uh, dad's youngest sister that's still alive. And she's still, we love her to life. And uh, we're glad she's here tonight. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Her name is Dolores. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, this is home chart. Yeah, home chart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're happy she's with us tonight. And then we got a Darion over there. Yeah, we we happy to see him. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not a visitor. Yes, you are at home. You are at home. All right. Let's get into the word. Y'all ready for the word? Um, we've been talking about, I'm gonna wrap it up tonight about the precious blood of Jesus. We've been talking about the blood of Jesus is part three. All right. And the blood of Jesus has cleansing power. Cleansing power. Cleansing power to do what? To cleanse us from all unrighteousness, from sin, uh, but mainly to cleanse us from sin consciousness. Because too many Christians have sin consciousness. All right. We have too, many, too much sin consciousness. We, we may not be aware of it, but we have more sin consciousness than righteousness consciousness. So the blood of Jesus cleanses us from sin consciousness. John 1 and 7. In my study of this, I found out that if you look at blood microscopically, that blood is... The, the basis or the essence of blood is light. When blood is exposed to oxygen, that's when we see the red color of blood. But when you microscopically look at blood, blood is light. And so this, you know, this lines up with the word of God says that uh, the life is in the blood. All right. The life is in the blood. 
So here, 1 John 1 and 7 says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we know light and darkness. Light means the knowledge of truth. Okay, darkness is ignorance of the word. Okay, when you're in darkness, you are in ignorance of the word. You have no knowledge of truth of God's word unless you walk in the light. We have fellowship one uh, with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us all from all sin. So the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin when we walk in the light or the truth of God's word pertaining to the blood or any promises of God from his word. Hebrews 8 and 6 to 9. But now hath he, he being Jesus, obtained a more excellent ministry by how much also he is the mediator, the go-between of a better covenant, which was established upon better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, so the first covenant, the Old Testament, okay, Old Testament or the Old Covenant that God established, uh, he didn't establish the Old Covenant with mankind. He established this covenant with a, a chosen people called the children of Israel. So he established a covenant with them. And also we see throughout the Old Testament, we see different covenants that God has established with certain men, but his main covenant that he established with Israel. So Israel, to have their uh, sins not be imputed against them to God, they had to go through a lot of rituals uh, of shedding blood. Because remember, I told you, God is a, a, a blood covenant type of God. Blood has to be shed. So that's why they would uh, kill the red heifer and the, the bulls and the goats and the doves and all that, shedding the blood. And that shedding the blood of the ritual they went through, it, was, it did not remit their sin. It did what? It covered their sin. So they had to constantly go through this. So the scripture says here, for if that first covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for the second. So they always, uh, the Israelites always kept breaking the covenant, all right? Once the sin was covered through all the blood rituals they went through, is uh, somehow that sin managed to come and creep underneath that covenant, and then they were guilty of their sin. So God said it was fault to it, all right? Not God being fault, is what they had to do to accomplish this blood covenant, there was false. So he came with a second covenant. There should no place have been sought for a second covenant. Thank you. Quickie. Speedy comes out. Okay. For finding fault with them, he said, behold, the days come, said the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. God took them by the hand through Moses. He did everything for them to lead them out of the bondage of Egypt because they continue not in my covenant and I regard them not, said the Lord. Let's go to Hebrews 7, 24 and 28. 
But this man, who is this man he's talking about? They might change this to children's church or something. <laughs> but this man, you can respond out loud. Who's this man? Jesus, right, 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 right. This man, because he continued, but he continued ever, has an unchangeable priesthood. An unchangeable priesthood. Wherefore, he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him. So when you come by Jesus to be saved, Jesus is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. For such a high priest became us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separated from sinners, and made higher than the heaven. So he's talking about this man, this man being Jesus, who is the high priest. Now, what's so interesting about Jesus in the scripture says that he's the high priest. Jesus was not part of the Levitical priesthood. He came from the tribe of Judah, you know, the tribe of praise. But Jesus knew his, his mission that the father has bestowed upon him, that he became the high priest, not, not, not so much as like the Levitical priesthood, but after the order of Melchizedek, okay? You study Melchizedek, he had no pedigree, he had no beginning, no end, and Abraham offered offerings up to Melchizedek, and Melchizedek bestowed uh, the blood covenant, which is what we call the communion, all right? So Jesus came after that order of Melchizedek, becoming the high priest. In the Western world, we don't have a lot of understanding of this, of, of high priest and everything. But he is, the book of Hebrews says that he is the high priest of our profession or our confession. That the high priest was the one who was um, Aaron. Remember Aaron, Moses' brother, he was uh, the high priest of the Levitical priesthood. They would have to, the priesthood had to go through the different rituals, all right? They had to dress a certain way. They couldn't even have any blemishes or blotches or nothing, no type of imperfection when they went to offer uh, these animals' blood unto Jesus, excuse me, unto God. So that was the Levitical priesthood, the high priest. And now Jesus comes into that same likeness. He's the high priest of our profession or our confession. The word profession, confession in the Greek is homologeo. Uh, legeo is speak or words, homo saying. So he is the high priest that when we speak God's word by him being the high priest, he will execute what we have spoken. Somebody should have got excited about that, I guess. Okay. Oh, help us, Lord, help us. Hebrews 9. Maybe I'll get something good for you. Okay. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11 to 14. 
But Christ become a high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle. Okay, the tabernacle, you're not talking about uh, the Holy of Holies, uh, that type with the Ark of the Covenant. He's talking about his physical body. This is, our, this is our tabernacle, our body. This is where God lives and dwells in. Look at it, and come to buy a greater, more perfect tavern, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, the holy sanctuary of heaven, and he placed his blood on the mercy seat. Okay, if you remember the Ark of the Covenant, it had the, the two angels and they had the mercy seat. That is what the Levitical priesthood had to do in the natural and offering up the animal's blood. Jesus took his blood himself. He was a, he was a sinless lamb of God, took his blood himself, went into the holy sanctuary of heaven, placed his blood on the mercy seat of heaven on our behalf. All right. And he entered once into the whole place, having obtained eternal redemption for who? For us. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and ashes of heifers, sprinkling the unclean, sanctify the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, he did that. He offered himself without spot to God for what? To purge your conscience. To purge our sin conscience. The average Christian is more sin conscious than righteousness conscious. Why? Because uh, the average Christian do not have a revelation of the power or the precious blood of Jesus, what the blood of Jesus has done for us. His blood has purged us from sin consciousness, all right? So why is it, you know, we have our, you know, we have our kids and uh, grandkids, whatever, and they reach a certain age and, you know, and they with uh, a person of the opposite sex and, you know, they wanna go out, whatever. Why do we automatically think that something is going to happen. Why? Because we sin conscious. Why do we think that something bad is going to happen to us? Or, uh, you know, you never know when your number's up. You know, when we say things like that, that's coming out of sin consciousness. We don't understand that we have been purged from all that, that we no longer Think about, he has cleansed us. He has washed away our sins. And the last two weeks, we saw how God said, I will remember them no more. But why do we continue to remember our sins? Because we have not allowed the blood of Jesus to purge our sin consciousness. You're conscious from the dead works. So when we have sin consciousness, then we think that we have to do something to please God. Because if I don't do something, then I'm gonna let God down. 
Well, child of God, let me tell you something. You ain't going to let God down because you ain't holding God up. All right? And there's nothing that you can do to please God unless you do it by what? By faith. And what is faith? I believe and I receive what the word says. That's the only thing that pleases God. You believe and receive what this word says about the blood has cleansed you from all sin consciousness. That's what pleases the Father. Now, the things that we do, uh, the works that we do, we do them because we love him. That's why we do it, because we love him. But not to try to get brownie points with God. Because Jesus already took care of that. Okay? So, um, so blood has cleansing power. Blood has cleansing power. Now, let me share this with you real quick. When it comes to the bulls and the heifers and the lambs and all that stuff, um, that is what is called, they was doing it out of self-worth or self-will or self-righteousness. When they went through all that, all that that's why the word said they, they, it was not faultless because they was trying to do it out of their self or their self-will or their self-righteousness. Okay? So, they needed a, a pacifier. The blood of Jesus is also a pacifier. Go to Colossians 1, 20 to 22. The blood of Jesus is a pacifier. Now, I looked up that word pacifier. Now, I, I somewhat understood what a pacifier is when it comes to a newborn, whatever. You know, that kid's crying. They're screaming and yelling. You throw that pacifier in the mouth. And it shut them up. But it, it has more meaning to just shut them up. It, Pass it, it calms them. It brings comfort, a pacifier. A pacifier is a personal thing that pacifies someone or something, or it brings comfort. So the blood of Jesus has, it has, it has a pacifier power. You know, when you feel anxiety is overwhelming you, you feel like you, you don't know which way you go, whatever. When you tap into the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus will comfort you because you're realizing you're coming to the revelation of everything that Christ has done for you. Colossians 1 verse 20 says, and having made peace through the blood of his cross, there's peace through the blood of Jesus. By him to reconcile all things unto himself by him, I say whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, and you, that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now has he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy. So now how, now how are you and I holy? By certain things that we do? No, the blood of Jesus presented us holy. You have to believe it and receive it. All right, that's a pacifier. It comforts that I am I'm holy to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. 
So the blood of Jesus has a pacifier power that it will comfort us. Go to Hebrews 10, 2 to 22. The blood of Jesus will cause you not to have a guilty conscience, but he has to comfort us to let us know that we don't, we don't have to have a guilty conscience. Feeling guilty about things is not from God. <laughs> Feeling guilty, no. That's not, that's not, that's not from God. Guilt is not from God. Conviction is from God. The Holy Spirit will convict you. Whenever the Holy Spirit convicts you about something, he never brings a guilt-written feeling. Whenever you have start having a guilt-written feeling, that's from not from God. When the Holy Spirit convicts you about something, which conviction is correction or the chastening of the Lord, Hebrews says, the Holy Spirit will always give you a solution to the way out of it. But the enemy brings guilt. Condemnation. Uh, Romans 8 says, therefore now there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus that walk not after the flesh. So if you're walking after the flesh, that's why you are feeling guilty because you're walking out of the flesh. And once you walk after the flesh and you have that guilt-written complex, now, unbeknownst to you, that you now has become an enemy to God. Oh, Jesus. Look at this. For then would they not have ceased to be offered, because that the worshiper once purged should have had no more conscience of sin. So the reason why you have this guilt-written feeling because you have you sin conscious. You're not righteousness conscious. Because uh, having righteousness conscious, understanding your righteousness, and once you get convicted by the Holy Spirit, you omit it and quit it. And then you move on out of your righteousness. But if you, all of a sudden you, you feel guilty, you have worldly sorrow instead of godly sorrow, you still have a sin consciousness. You have not, you have not applied the blood of Jesus to your life. Are y'all hearing? Look at verse three. But in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. For if it not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins, Wherefore, when he cometh unto the world, he says, sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body that has prepared me. So there's a body was prepared for him. In burnt offerings and sacrifice for sin, thou hast no pleasure. Then said I, lo, I come. In the volume of the book, it is written to me to do thy will, O God. Above, when he said, sacrifice, offering, burnt offering, offering for sin, thou wouldest not, neither hadst uh, pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said he, lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He take away the first, that he may establish the second. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ, once for all. 
every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifice, which can never take away sin. But this man, who's this man? Jesus. After he had offered one sacrifice for sin forever, sat down on the right hand of God from henceforth expecting till his enemy be made his footstool. Now, years ago when I used to read that, I used to say, okay, all them heathens and all this stuff, they gonna, he gonna be waiting for the enemies to be his footstool. No, 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 no. He's talking about uh, when you and I uh, revert back into the flesh and to perceiving the things of God, whatever, uh, our mind, we have a carnal mind, our carnal mind is an enemy to God. So God is his, his enemy. Look at this. Till, he, till his enemy be made his footstool, he waiting on you to allow God to rest on you. You are the enemy when your mind is carnal. Okay, y'all looking at me like I just, I don't have this, but go to Romans 8. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 8. Once you get there, say hallelujah. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that which are in Christ Jesus. Now, a lot of Christians like to quote that. They like to, they like to be in sin, and they use that part of the scripture to justify their sin or to get you off their back. Because they need to read on. This scripture, this part of scripture only applies, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh. So if you walk in after the flesh, somebody said, we're walking after the flesh. Well, go to Galatians chapter five and Apostle Paul give a whole list of walking after the flesh. So if you're not walking after the flesh, yes, there is no condemnation. There's no guilt. But if you're walking after the flesh, you're going to have condemnation and guilt. Why is that? Look at this. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. But what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sent his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemn sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. What's walking after the spirit? Walking after the word. Okay, it's no, there's no hocus pocus thing. You know, it's not... I'm walking after the spirit. No, you walk and you work in the word. When you work the word, you're walking in the spirit. Now, look at this. Everybody okay? Verse five, for they that are after the flesh. So this is how you can tell whether you're after you're walking after the flesh. 
For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. For they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. So if your mind is towards spiritual things, church attendance, Bible study, your own personal prayer life, your own personal word life, fasting. <laughs> oh, fasting, fasting, walking in love, tithing. Those are the things of the spirit. Why, do, why are those things of the spirit? Because the natural carnal world look at those things that we do as foolish. To the world, it's foolish that all of us here on a Thursday night, but we could be watching Grey's Anatomy or whatever show you like or sports, whatever. Y'all come out on Thursday night to hear this guy teach the word. That's foolish. That's walking after the spirit. Okay. Now, look at this. Ooh, glory. But they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. So the ones who don't come to church, who don't tithe, who don't walk in love, who just live in their own life, they are walking after the flesh because that's where their mind is. Now, if they are a Christian and they're doing that, they have a high level of sin consciousness than word consciousness. They don't understand about what the blood of Jesus did for them. So their mind is towards the things of the flesh, the things of the world. All right, now look at this. For they that are after the flesh do not mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. Verse six, for to be carnally minded, that word is carnac, Flesh, me here to be a me here. Remember Archie Bunker used to call his son like you me here. Yeah. <laughs> For to be carnally minded is what death. So have a carnal mind, a fleshy mind is death. He says. But now look at this. He says, verse six. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded, their mind is set and fixed on the blood of Jesus is life. Now, why is a carnal mind, a carnal mind, why is it death? He tells in verse 7. Because the carnal mind is enmity or an enemy against God. So when we do mind the things of the flesh, not the things of the spirit, because our minds are carnal, then we have, now we become an enemy to God, then Jesus, for his for expecting to his enemies be made his footstool so that he can rest on them. He's waiting for those carnal-minded Christian. He's not talking about the world. The only way you're going to get to God you, when you're world, you're a sinner, you got to be born again. These, you, you, there are carnal-minded Christians. This is what Paul was talking about. There's a carnal-minded Christian. There are Christians who are born again. They accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, but they have, either no one didn't teach them or they haven't made a decision 
to learn how to walk by the Spirit, they are born again. They are in the presence of God, but every day they choose the devil. They are condemned. And now we live in the, we live in the day and age now. Uh, I think it was Colossians. Uh, Philippians, Paul says, be aware when they preach another Jesus. Because you know we got other Jesuses, don't we? We got homosexual Jesus. You know, you know, homosexuals came with their own Bible, the Queen James Version. Yeah, they got their own Bible. That they, they, they would tell you, I'm born again, just like you're born again, but my Jesus loves me the way I am. That's not what the word said. What's that? That's a carnal minded person. We got other, we know we got different type of Jesus. We, we don't, a lot of us don't have the Jesus of the book. We have the Jesus, you know, where, you know, with the Jesus of the book says to fast for 20 days. My Jesus say, you ain't got to do all that. Paul said, be aware when they preach another Jesus. The Jesus of the book says, sanctify yourself. Set, your part, set yourself apart from the world. Don't be like the world. The other people, Jesus, well, he, he understands me. He knows my heart. We got other Jesuses are being preached instead of the Jesus of the book. And why is that? It's carnal-minded. It's fleshy. Okay, and now, so down, they are enemies to God, and Jesus waiting for them to become his footstool so that he can play, he can rest his grace upon them. Because he says it, look at this. Hallelujah. Verse seven, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for if it not subject to the law, neither indeed, or not subject to the word, neither indeed can it be. So then they that are in the flesh, Cannot please God. So if you're in the flesh, that, what that tells you? You're not in faith. Because faith is the only thing that pleases God. So we have to take, we have to have faith in the blood to understand this power that the blood has for us. Verse 14. Let me wrap this up. Ooh. For by one offering he hath perfected or mature forever, forever them that are sanctified. Is that it? Oh. Whereof the Holy Ghost also is witness to us. He bear witness, for after he had said before, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, said the Lord. I will put my laws, my word into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now, where remission of these, of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Having therefore, brethren, bold to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, 
by a new and living way which he has consecrated for us through the veil that is to say his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So the blood of Jesus will cause you not to have a guilty conscience. The Holy Spirit convicts you. You just admit it and quit it. Ephesians 2 and 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you sometimes were afar off or made nigh by the blood of Jesus. So the blood of Jesus has reconciling power. It would draw us closer to him. Revelation 12 and 11. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, not his testimony, but of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto death. So the blood of Jesus can cause us to have right confession. Speak what the word says. Say what the word says. We have been conditioned so much by the world. That's why we so sin conscious. We don't speak what God says, all right? Whose report are you going to believe? And so to, so to believe his report, we got to allow the blood of Jesus to cleanse us from all sin consciousness to correct our confession, our homologale. We're supposed to speak the same thing, speak what his word, because he's the high priest of our confession. So we speak what God says in his word, and we do that by faith. You know, the scripture said God has not given us a spirit of fear, but he has given us what? Love, power, and a sound mind. So even though the world tries to say, well, you know, you get a certain age and all that, you're going to have Alzheimer's and all that, you're going to forget. Why do we say that? Why do we, why we say, oh, oh, I'm losing my mind, whatever? Sin conscious. Let's speak with God. Say, no, I'm not losing my mind. God has not given me a spirit of fear. He's given me love, power, and a sound mind. My mind is sound. I have a sound. My mind is renewed every day by the blood of Jesus. That's confession. That's speaking it. That's declaring. But why do we say things of the world of the flesh? Because we, we are too sin conscious. Instead of word of conscience, the average Christian, you go to them and you ask them, give me three scriptures of salvation. They could, they've been in church for 50 years. They couldn't, couldn't take you to one. Why is that? Because they're not word conscious. They're not word Bible conscious. They got saved. You know, someone told me the only thing you needed to get Jesus. Then once you get Jesus, then that's it. Then you can do whatever you want. <laughs> not. Nah, that's not word. They lied to us. They lied to us. Well, they, they really didn't lie to me because I was in Catholicism and they didn't teach us nothing. So. We didn't own Bibles. We just went through our little pagan ritual. <laughs> uh, Revelation 5 and 9. 
And they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou was slain and has redeemed us to God by the blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. The blood of Jesus will cause us to have a song-inspiring power. Understanding the blood of Jesus, what it has done for you, you will have a new song that rises up. Have you ever had a, there's a song that just rose up out of your spirit, you just sing it. You, every, every believer should have their own personal song unto God. And when you spend time with God in fellowship and prayer, your song should just rise up out of your spirit and you just sing it unto the Lord because you understand the revelation about the blood of Jesus. And Revelation 1 and 5, I'm going to close. Excuse me. From Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sin. How did he wash us from our sin? In his own blood. It's sinless blood. His blood had no sin in it. So our sins are washed in the blood of Jesus. Now, go to Romans 12. And I, I'm sorry. I said that was not right. Romans chapter 12. Are y'all okay? Hallelujah. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, he's talking to believers, Christians, by the mercy of God, by God's mercy, that you present your bodies. Your bodies. What are you talking about? Your bodies present your spirit, your soul, and your physical body. Look at this. A living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. What are you saying? All that Jesus has done for us, at least we can present our spirit, soul, and body unto him. All that he went through, all that he suffered, all that he went through and to shed his blood on our behalf, so that we can return back to the Father uh, in his righteousness, not our righteousness. He's saying here, the least we can do is come to church. That's the, that's the, that's the, the, the least. Oh, he did all this for you. And he only asked you to come to church for it. Two to three hours, one day out of a week. Now, I can see if he asked us to climb Pikes Peak Mountain, then I'm like, oh, Jesus. That's a, that's, a, that's a big feat right there. But the only thing he said, all that he has done for us, all his blood that was shed, he said, our reasonable, that's the least I can do is to come to church and not just come to church only Christmas and Easter. <laughs> Why do we see Christians do that? 
Why do we see Christians do that? They say they born again. I, I, never, I never could understand these people born again experience. The whole 30 years, some years I've been saying, I have never backslid. I don't, I, don't, I don't understand that concept. How, when you really have an encounter with God, how can you now don't go to church? I mean, that's the, that's the, our reason, that's the least thing I could. If he, he asked me, just go to church. Yes, Lord, no. But what you, you got whooped, a crown of thorn on your head, blood gushing out, blood pressure vacillating up and down. You all what you went to, and you just asked me just to come to church two days out of a week. You asked me to bring 10% of my increase to you. That's the least I can do for what you have done for me. You asked me to pray, and that's the least I can do. You asked me to love my wife, that's the least I can do for all you've done for me. It's sin conscience. For the believer, the so-called believer, it's sin conscience. It's carnal mind. They are, they're carnal-minded Christians. Their mind is more set and fixed on the things of the world and their flesh instead of God. Because when you go to the book of Ephesians, excuse me, Philippians, he talks about think on these things. He gives you a whole list of things that we should think on. Good, lovely, true, we put all that. That's the word of God. But what carnal-minded Christians think on more of the world and their flesh instead of God. And this walk is not for preachers only. Because I, hey, I, hey, I know a whole lot of preachers don't, don't think on God. <laughs> but he said, it's a reasonable service. It's the least you could do. In verse 2, he said, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renew renewing of your mind. He said, don't conform to what the world is going on, what's happening, but transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God that you'll be able to determine. You'll be able to discern what is good, what acceptable, what is perfect will of God. So when you hear Christians who say, well, I, I don't know if that's God's will, they have not renewed their minds with the world of God. They are conformed to the world. When you are conformed to the world, to the world you economize, you become an enemy of God. You know anything about enemies? I mean, I, I know a lot of us, we got enemies, you know? You know, enemies don't hang out with each other. So when you find yourself not hanging out with God, check your mind because enemies don't fellowship together. So maybe that's why we see a lot of Christians who don't come to church because they got a carnal mind. They are enemy to God. You ain't gonna hang out with God if you're God's enemy. We wanna be like Abraham. I wanna be a friend of God. He called me friend. And so how do we do that? We have to renew our mind with the word of God that the blood of Jesus 
has cleansed me from all iniquity and sin. And I, he has provided a pathway by faith now that I can come boldly into the throne room of grace at any time. In regards to what I did or didn't do, whatever, I understand about the power of the blood of Jesus that I can plead the blood of Jesus and I can come before his throne with grace and he will receive me every time as long I'm not sin conscious. If I'm sin conscious, I will not draw nigh to God. All right. That was plain and simple. That wasn't really hard to understand. <laughs> How can you tell a sin conscious? You know, Jesus said, you're nobody at fruits. How can you tell a sin conscious Christian when you say, hey, we haven't seen you in church with excuses? Sin conscious believers always got a whole litany. Well, I don't go to check out a bunch of hypocrites. Well, that's why you were there. You know what I mean? Hey, hypocrites everywhere. You still go to work with a bunch of hypocrites at work. <laughs> you know, you're not supposed to go to church for the hypocrites. You're supposed to go to church for the word. All right. And maybe God can use you to help that hypocrite. You know, but a sin conscious believer, all we got excuses why they don't want to draw not to God, draw not to God. So Jesus is waiting till his enemies become his footstool so he can rest on. All right, any questions, comments, revelations? Yeah, that heat is really working, bro. Yeah, that heat is right on. Yeah. Go to the Holy Ghost with it. Thanks for listening to Faith in the Word podcast. If the Word of God has been a blessing to you today and you want to give unto the ministry, please feel free. Pilgrim Missionary Baptist Church, 600 Bellwood Road, Louisville, Kentucky, 40223. Or email Pastor Holloway directly at CecilHolloway at Yahoo.com with more options for electronic giving. Thanks for listening. Stay in faith and be blessed.